When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Now, Lorraine, it's yes, a very sir. exciting day. And I know how modest you are. And I know... <laughs> <laughs> I know that you won't want the whole world knowing that you are going to be presented with a really big industry award tonight. I know, it's ah. very exciting, isn't it? I'm going to be winning the Mark Boxer Award at British Society of Magazine Editors, oh. which is kind of, what is it, long service? It, it is, like that. it is. You are sort of the, the golden oldies, golden oldie, the great, yes, the great of the con- magazine world. Contributions to the magazine industry. Oh, um, oh. I feel a bit like old Mr. Grace in Are You Being Served? <laughs> I think it's not quite a carriage clock, is it? But do you no. know what? Can I, no. I just, to be serious for one minute, you bloody deserve that. Thank I you. I have to say, you, you really do. And I think we've sat through those awards for years and years and years. And yes. Years. I mean, the fact that you've, you've got to the <laughs> when you're getting I I have heard it referred to as the legends award the legends that's where I'm going very very proud um and it feels great to have won it and I'd had so much fun Trish that's that's what it's the award is for all the fun I've had you have well Lorraine Candy you are a legend hello hello welcome to postcards from midlife I'm Trish Halpin And I'm Lorraine Candy, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Now that we've got over the excitement of your big news, Rain, it's time to get excited about what we've got coming up on today's episode. Joining us to talk about the power of positivity and how to have bucket loads of energy in midlife is TV and radio broadcaster Gabby Roslin. Before we speak to Gabby, we're going to be jibber-jabbering about how memories play a vital role in our sense of self and well-being. Now, I hope you've got some good memories to share with us, Trish. Will you be <laughs> reminding us of that time that you taught the rock to skydive? Or- <laughs> all your nights out with guns and roses yes dining yes. on a yacht with elton john well yes. obviously no that's all lies <laughs> <laughs> nothing is quite that fabulous but i do find it surprising actually the things that seem to pop into my mind out of nowhere um and this week uh, because i knew we were going to be talking about this on the show um it's been quite an ex- interesting experience because i've been thinking about it all a bit more deeply as these memories pop into my mind oh dear Um, I don't like it when you go a bit more deep, a bit more spiritual, woo-woo. So let's fast forward over that to How to Win at Midlife, where we are going to be talking about the Power Hour, which is a way for all of us to reclaim just one precious hour a day to call our own and do fantastic things with. And of course, there'll be more funny memories in our regular nostalgia noodling slot. Um, And talking of funny, uh, one of our Facebook group members called Marie, who has her own Facebook page called Midlife Dramas in Pyjamas, posted a wee ditty, a little poem all about the Mm. menopause. Uh, Do you you want to hear a bit, Lorraine? 
bananas in pyjamas. Are you, you're going to read it anyway, aren't you, whether I want to hear it or not? Exactly right. So I'll, it's kind of a, obviously it's a shortened version. Right. I'll do my best uh, poetry reading voice. Right. Oh, menopause, oh, menopause, you're here at last, woohoo. And all the things I've heard about, I've seen you've brought them too. Itchy skin, running to the loo, temper tantrums, sleepless nights, not bad, that's just a few. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go on. Oh, oh sorry. Keep it together. Did, oh, sorry. Did you say there's more? Beg pardon, do go on. I can't help thinking that's enough. Surely you must be done. Palpitations, aches and pains, fluctuating weight, feeling anxious, stiffening joints. Now let me get this straight. I have to suffer all of this because I am a woman. That's surely just a horrid joke because most of it's not human. Ta-da! Very good. Very nice. <laughs> I, don't think I'm I like the laughing with not at. I've written a poem oh. for you in response to Limerick, oh God, Trish. Have you? It's very oh no. quick. You'll like no. it. Go on then. There was a young lady called Trish who had just one wish, that her co-host Lorraine wasn't quite so much of a pain <laughs> and stopped making fun of her pussy. Is that a Limerick? <laughs> I'll get an award well, for that as well. I think you should. You should write one like that for your every week. this evening. No, for your yes. presentation. Yes, <laughs> do something like that. And obviously, pussy didn't rhyme with anything, but it doesn't matter. No, but you can add that on the end of a limerick. Those, oh, can those you? are the rules. You, them, them the rules. Okay. Them the rules. Let us begin the jibber-jabber. Today's topic was inspired by one of our previous guests, as a matter of fact, and that was the therapist Philippa Perry, who told us many helpful and wonderful things when she came on the show a couple of weeks ago. And one of them piqued our interest particularly, which was about how our memory banks can help us get through tricky times. And we've both been pondering this, haven't we, Lorraine? Yes, we have. I mean, it's quite a cognitive thing, the memory banks. Um, We're sort of living in Groundhog Day at the moment, aren't we, anyway? So um, it makes sense to understand the importance the role of memories play in our senses as well as our self and the continual role they play in our life experience. Mm -hmm. And they can just pop up, can't they, Trish? So I had one the other day when the sun was shining, rare moment of the sun shining, and I had a memory in my feet. Oh, bear with me I could feel I could feel my I was trying to think of a happy moment and I could feel my feet on sand and I was remembering there's a path um, from where we live in Cornwall along the beach to a little bay called Dama Bay which is near the church where we got married and I could feel the sand on my feet and then I remembered that I'd walked that path probably since I was about four or five Mm -hmm. and then I walked it with all my children so they can feel that little sand on their feet now so it's kind of, it's like an imprint mm. of a memory that will go through the family so it mm-hmm. sort of ties us together and it just came into my head when I was looking out the window so it put me into a happy family place and I think that's a very powerful thing yeah. that memories yeah, especially at the moment, because we're not seeing our families, are we? And I think you thought about that, didn't you? And we often don't give ourselves the time to appreciate the kind of emotional, it just kind of pops into your head and then off it goes again. And I think we're not so manic at the moment. No, are we? We exactly. Have time to take a moment sometimes. I know. And I had a nice one this week too. Um, slightly odd. Um, I heard this John Denver song. <laughs> Lorraine is grimacing. You know, country roads. I'm not going to sing it for you. Oh, it's um, came, it came to my chest and it almost came out of my mouth. I'm oh, sorry. Kept anyway, it, God, um, it was on Radio 2 this week on the Zobel show. And this image of my childhood with my parents singing in the car popped into my mind. And then also it was kind of one that would be played at family parties in Ireland where some uncle would you know, pull you up on the dance floor and make you jig about a bit. And, and when I thought about it, it kind of didn't make me feel sad because my mum's not here 
here anymore. Um, and it also didn't make me feel sad because, uh, you know, I haven't seen my large extended Irish yeah. family for more than a year, but rather I had just this really lovely feeling of belonging and of future family gatherings and that there will be more dances with big red faced yeah. uncles to come, I think. One of the things when I've spoken to teenage psychologists or experts in this about setting memories in the teenage, one of the reasons we celebrate significant birthdays like 18, 21 and things is that they set a memory in your mind Mm -hmm. and they show you how far you come so and that apparently is a very good thing because you've come this far you've survived you're happy everything's okay so that's a little bit what those memories are about and I think that's important during lockdown Mm. to set some of those memories I mean we've been doing some kind of nice things that I think they'll remember forever we we turned the kitchen table into a table tennis table with a really cheap (laughs) bat and ball we bought which I think everyone will remember forever have you been doing that during lockdown oh well yes definitely actually even now the kids are reminiscing about some of the stuff that happened in the the first bit of lockdown last year and and in particular we sort of went through this sort of global food night so every weekend we do a massive big like you know Italian or Mexican and then there was this sort of Caribbean barbecue do you remember how it was just sort of really hot wasn't it so we had it we were outside and uh, Neil got so drunk on these rum punches (laughs) that we'd actually made from a recipe that we found in a book that we'd written down from when we'd been in the Caribbean about 25 years ago and actually he just ended up burning the jerk chicken and you know but anyway the kids they, they they're laughing Stuck about that now it's there minds. it's in the yeah. minds isn't it and, and I, I read this really interesting article actually in psychology today which says that we're we're built on blocks of memory that all fit together to form our consciousness and um the way it feels to be you your hopes your expectations and your fears are all built upon what you've experienced before so it's really important to pay attention to what we remember because it does bring meaning to to these moments and um you know to your point about turning the table tennis or turning the kitchen table into table tennis it's like right now we have to create novelty and kind of something called positive randomness like doing unexpected things because there's not much else to create memories that's actually the title of my book about me isn't it positive (laughs) randomness randomness. exactly so i think you do have to get a bit creative now and even if it feels like you might be the only one in the household making well, the effort is mum of course it is yeah to do these kind of fun things I mean I think you'll reap the rewards everybody will reap the rewards I was looking at something Julia Samuels who's a psychotherapist um, a really renowned psychotherapist had put up on Instagram and she called it the um, the television test so if you are feeling particularly down or something is particularly bothering you and you've got an image of that moment that feeling in your head you can sit down for a second form a television screen in your mind and the bad vision is there but you can replace it quite quickly with something that you remember is good so I could replace it with a picture of the beach or something like that and she said you're just telling your mind it's like setting up a pattern in a machine you're telling your mind to remember that and then you can switch the channel every time you switch the channel that picture could be the one that comes up instead of what you're worrying about it's a very simple thing I think it's quite effective um we I think also you can use memories to push you forward I've Mm -hmm. got a memory of some swimming I did in Lake Geneva and I did a sunrise swim and I could feel I could see the Alps behind me I got in in the dark and as the sun rose the water got light and I can still not really see it but I can still feel the sun Mm. gradually getting warmer Mm -hmm. and sometimes I think you can move your mind to that place because you've set it in your brain so it's worth taking a moment during lockdown to remember those good times which is what Philippa Perry was saying to us wasn't it This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Our guest today is the effervescent and perpetually positive Gabby Roslin. She's one of the UK's most familiar faces on telly and first appeared on our screens in 1987, age 24. You'll certainly remember her from her time as the co-presenter of Channel 4's Big Breakfast in the early 90s and for her work on children in need. Gabby is now 57. She's a mum of two teenage girls and has a weekly show on BBC Radio London as well as her own podcast called That Gabby Roslin. Podcast where she has interviewed some of our favourite women, including Dame Judy Dench, Fern Cotton, and Celia Imry. An advocate of healthy eating long before it became a national obsession, Gabby is a beacon of energy, and it's this upbeat attitude to ageing well that we want to explore today. Welcome, Gabby. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, you are one of the most relentlessly cheerful people that I know of. This has been very impressive, especially during our more challenging lockdown times. Now, you say you've always been an innately happy person, I think. But when your mum died 24 years ago, although you were cheerful as a person before, you said that you valued this attitude, this positive attitude much more, and you became much more proactively positive, particularly about ageing. Can you sort of talk us through that stage of your life and what your attitude to ageing is now? I was always very positive. So as a child, I've always been the Pollyanna. People used to say, well, you're Pollyanna and you played the glad game. And I did. I always tried to make fun out of a situation. You know, even playing sports. I wasn't good at team sports, but I'd, I'd make everybody laugh. So I'd be the one that fell over just to make people laugh because I I didn't know what I was doing. So I just thought, Mm. oh, let's make everybody laugh. And so I suppose that's always been with me. And then when mum died, dad survived. At the same time, he had cancer. Mum had cancer. She died and he survived. And I realised how even more how important being positive was. I think that positivity got my dad through his cancer. And I think that making sure that I appreciate every single day, even more than I did. I mean, I was, like I said, I was like that, but I just thought, wow, the sun comes up the next day. And if mum were here, she'd want me to carry on having a good time and having a laugh. It doesn't mean I don't miss her or any of those things, but I just, I just remained positive. I think, you know, it was a a horrible time. It was a dreadful time having both parents in hospital with cancer, but looking back on it I think I got through it because of 
enjoying life. And I do. I love life. I do love life. And and I don't mind about getting older. The only thing I do mind is that I haven't got enough time left to do all the things I still want to do. But I don't feel old or older. I probably am. I think I always tell everyone I'm 33 because that's how I feel. <laughs> I think yeah. that's what I was as a child. I was always supposed to be 33. When I got to 33, I just stopped. Oh, it's your forever age. Yes. <laughs> no, I think that's a really interesting idea. And obviously, now you're in your sixth decade. Uh, you, oh, you're do you wearing. Have to that's really weird. <laughs> When you put it like that, it's so weird. Yeah, it does sound odd, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. But we were just talking about you've got this gorgeous big oversized sweatshirt on and you were talking about the fact that you were out exercising, walking. So you're very kind of into your health, you're, you're looking after yourself, your wellness. Have you always been like that or was there a point in your life that kind of tipped you over into it? Well, that was 25 years ago when dad got diagnosed with bowel cancer. So mm-hmm. I'd always been aware of, like we all were, I don't think it, people spoke about it as much. But then dad got diagnosed with bowel cancer and mum got lung cancer. And I just thought, right, I need, and I devour, it's not meant as a pun, but I devoured everything about health and nutrition and fitness then. And I learned and learned more and I still do. So I go to bed at night reading medical papers or reading um, magazines or anything that, that's more factual based, not all the happy clappy, let's all try this out. Um, I also have a proper real, proper allergy to gluten. So um, I have to, I've always had to look at food labels. So when I became aware of that real allergy and then dad having bowel cancer, I just, I really did. I, I, I love it. I love learning about it. And I was banging on about sugar and I was banging on about all sorts of things and people going oh you've got to be really careful because you don't want to preach and also what's right for you isn't right for everybody and I think that's really important to remember and people have asked me to write books about it and I've said no you also presented the food inspectors as well didn't you so yes I did you've you've kind of had years and years of in a deep dive as well medical because I did city hospital for years on the BBC daytime and then I also did watchdog health check and my family my grandfather who lived in Zimbabwe sadly no longer with us he was the consultant surgeon my uncle's a consultant surgeon I think I'm a doctor now, of course. Yes, because <laughs> Dr. Roslyn. Yeah, because of all the TV shows I've done. Unfortunately, my uncle, when I tell him I'm a doctor, he's not very polite. No. <laughs> <laughs> what changes did you make then in your day-to-day life, the gluten aside, that we can learn from, I guess? For me, what I found was I had to move every day, which I wasn't doing. Four years ago, my husband bought me a Fitbit. No advert, I promise. They're not paying me to say this, but that changed my life as well. But that was later on. But eating-wise, I learned about the harm that uh, refined sugar does to our body. I was learning even then about gut health because of the bowel cancer. I wanted to learn about what our guts and what our bowels and what was happening in there. I learned all about things like beetroot, which people now go oh, on about. No. I learned about <laughs> fermented foods that people all learn. I can't bear beetroot. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, love I have it. beetroot every day. But all of those things I started to learn about. I remember talking to people about gut health. And honestly, I was looked at as if I was a complete yeah. nutter. Yeah. So there were so many things I was learning that I found for me were right. And my increase in vegetables, I mean, much, yeah. much, much higher intake of vegetables and fruit. But also it's the moving. 
and mm-hmm. I started moving much, much, much more. I work out in the gym when we were allowed to. So I've mm-hmm. always, always, always loved that. And that happened when I learned about dad. But obviously we can't now. So I do a hit every day and I walk every day. When I was working from place to place to place before lockdown, I'd walk from one place to the next to the next. And you've said you've seen me on my walks. Lorraine. Yes, I have. I do. I used to walk between five and ten miles a day. And now it's four to five miles, obviously, because we can't get out many times. But you're actively walking, don't you? Like proactively walking. Yeah, not, yeah. Not oh, I'm pottering not a, I'm along a like I might do. With I'm Trish. not a power walker, but mm. I like to look up. And I'll talk to anybody. So people often stop and chat which is very nice mm-hmm. a couple of things gabby that come up a lot on our facebook group and with our audience is sleep and alcohol and this sort of ongoing issues and it's kind of these things that come through your life with you and you have ups and downs and and where are you with those two things because they're very very important or play a big role in our lives i think i was very lucky i did a sleep show 18 months ago on channel five i learned so much the reason i said yes to doing that show is i'm somebody who even as a child i never slept and I know how important it is but this is going to sound so annoying but it's absolutely true so I'm I'm sort of embarrassed but there we go I don't sleep very well because I want the next day to happen so when I was a child because I like I am that person who likes life so much that when I was a child the amount of times that my mom used to come in and say can you please take your clothes off because I used to get ready the night before because I was so excited for the next day that I used to go to bed with my pajamas on and then I'd get changed and my mum would she'd know it and she'd go Gabby take your clothes off I go I know but I I want tomorrow to come and so I thought if I didn't sleep much then tomorrow would be faster I create scenarios in my head so even as a child I was imagining presenting Blue Peter and all sorts Aww. of shows and that, that was all night so I didn't true. have time to sleep and now <laughs> as an adult I still don't sleep because I still want the next day to happen and I don't want that day to end because I like life but also I still have scenarios of the TV shows that I'm writing so mm-hmm. I haven't really changed <laughs> but as far as alcohol goes I gave up alcohol two and a half years ago R- rather weirdly I gave it up just over three years ago in the UK and I, because I did dry January, then February, then March. And I thought, oh, we're going away. So I'll have a drink when we go away. So I did in the summer. Then I didn't drink at all in the UK again. I like walking too much. And I realized that drinking was giving me a hangover. The, the mm. hangovers last forever. And yeah. uh, I didn't want any more hangovers. Mm-hmm. So, and it was as simple as that. I'm quite disciplined, I suppose. So I just went, right, I'm not doing that anymore. As you've got older, how have you felt about that from a kind of physical and appearance point of view? Sort of those significant birthdays, the kind of turning 40, turning 50. What do you think about that mentally? I I mean, I'm not going to have a facelift. I don't do any of that stuff. No, uh, it's just not for me. Uh, You know, good for anybody that wants to do it. And I remember sort of suddenly doing that in the mirror going, oh, just, you know, and then you, (laughs) you pull your hair back. So it's that sort of thing about looking in the mirror. But the only time that people go on about my age are journalists it's Mm -hmm. quite extraordinary I was interviewed recently and the journalist said oh Gabby Roslin and she's being very nice she said can I just check your birthday and your date of birth and I said yeah of course you can and then I said to her tell me why you always write a woman's age Mm -hmm. but not a man's age she said because Mm -hmm. our editor wants us to 
Mm-hmm. And I wow. thought that's really yeah. weird. I'm perfectly fine about my age. So, you know, I'm completely open about my age, but it's everybody else's fascination. I think it's partly because you were so much part of that kind of youth quake on television. You were in that kind of, in the eye of it all with big youth breakfast. quake. That's so yeah. funny. It's Nobody's ever of... put me in that category. I was well, the you were so girl. <laughs> I know, but you were so young and it was just so vibrant that, TV. I mean, t- let's go back to those times because I loved it. That kind of zig and zag and whose shoes and all that kind of madcap stuff. Or we'd had to watch all this serious stuff, and suddenly you got this. Oh, joy don't and... we need it? Don't yeah. we need fun? How, how much fun was that? How how much oh, did you enjoy the life then? It was the best. I mean, Chris and I used to look at each other and pinch pinch ourselves, and just used to just say, "We've got the best job in the world." But also, that it was mayhem. There were no scripts. No, no, it was ad lib the whole time. There were no water cues, nothing. And we were given flag posts by the producers. So we knew vaguely where we were going. I see, I think that television misses that. As a television addict, because I love watching it, that television is a little bit safe these days. And I yeah. think there should be more naughty, risky television. What were your highlights of, of those times? Can you remember one a show that you just think, oh my God, I'd love to do that again? No, because they were then. So would I love to do it again? Yes, I want to do live television every day. That's my dream at the moment. Everybody knows I I bang on about it all the time. So I'd love (laughs) to do risky, naughty, irreverent Mm -hmm. television with that's fun and that makes people laugh. We all just need to laugh. Did you think it would last? Gabby Logan said to us that when she was 23, she was told she'd be off air by the time she was kind of 28. In that time, do you remember thinking, how long is this going to go on for? There was never... I was very good at living in the moment because I was so excited by everything that I didn't think, oh my God, when's this going to end? I just thought I'm having such a good time. Part of this podcast at the end, we do something called nostalgia noodling, where we kind of something that springs to our mind from our childhood teens or twenties. Or Is there anything from that period in your life, a big breakfast? Was there a particular interview or something silly or funny that happens that, that's always kind of really stayed with very you? Very nostalgic. Yes. Choosing one is very difficult and that makes me sound greedy. But probably when Billy Crystal came on the show and I, my, one of my favourite films is Harry Met Sally. And but seriously, it's my number one film. And he came onto the show, and I, I absolutely, my God, it was my, every bit of me was going, oh my God, it's Billy Crystal. <laughs> and we reenacted that scene. The oh, that's brilliant! <laughs> it really was quite something with Billy, with <laughs> Billy. I mean, and Lily Savage saying, "I'll have what she's having." Yeah. It was extraordinary <laughs> live on television. It was really quite something. Oh, that was a highlight. Tell us about work now. Obviously, you're doing the podcast. You said you're always coming up with ideas for for TV shows, for different things. What's what's happening for you right now? Well, because of lockdown, we got postponed because mm-hmm. I was doing a live version of Gabby's Talking Pictures, which mm-hmm. is the movie-based comedy panel show with. Alistair McGowan and Ronnie Ancona. We did three seasons on Radio 4 and then we wanted to take it to theatres because everybody asked us to, which was really lovely. Uh, But we had Stephen Fry and Ben Miller and we were doing it live in the theatre and we were a sellout. So we don't know when we're back with that. As soon as we can get back out there, we'll do that. And then we're hoping to get that on television as well. There's another TV show that had to be delayed. I'm hoping delayed and not stopped. Mm -hmm. Everybody keeps saying, postponed and then also I do my Sunday afternoon radio show on BBC London and Mm -hmm. then I've got 
another new uh, radio show starting, which I'm, I'm not allowed to say. And that really uh, is absolutely hand on my heart. So I'm, mm-hmm. I can't say it yet. That's busy. Mm. So you've also got two teenage daughters, 19 yeah. and 14. So you've managed over the years that juggle, as they say, between being at work, being at home, trying to be present in both places. So how did you do that? And how do your teenagers feel about you having a high profile, visible job? Because mine would be horrified. Um, They're horrified to go outside. The only time that my youngest didn't like it was if somebody, you know, we'd be out when she was very little and we'd be out in the supermarket or in a shop and and people would come up and push her out of the way to get a photo with me or to do something or so and I'd hold her hand very tight and say excuse me or or they'd say can I get a photo of your daughter and I always say no so I've never put my kids in front of the camera although but they but my youngest wants to be an actress and my oldest wants to be a drama teacher so it's obviously in the blood (laughs) my oldest who's away now in her second year of uni she always says I'm so proud of you mum and I get sort of a bit embarrassed I think oh my god that's lovely (laughs) my youngest keeps saying I can't wait till I'm in this film and I can't wait till I'm in this drama but they know the reality of it through me as well so Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Has can... your um, relentless positivity been quite kind of helpful during the teenage years? Because teenage girls are a bit of a roller coaster because they're discovering all their emotions, aren't they? Being able to switch that on has that been useful for you? Uh, well, it's very funny. I knew obviously that I was talking to you today, and I asked my elder daughter. She's and she said, "Mom, I've just told my housemates that you." whenever I was growing up and even when I come home now that you still sit on top of me and sing musical theatre songs to wake me up (laughs) and I told them that sometimes I just wanted to swear at mum and say go away and I said my friend says Ed uh, can she do that for us every morning I went yes give me their number and I'll call them and my my uh, younger daughter's here obviously at 14 and homeschooling downstairs as I speak to you and this morning I uh, lay next to her to wake her up and I sung a spoonful of sugar and oh. she said mom it's like living with Tigger by the sound it is a bit and I know around the house and scary. I am annoying I annoy myself sometimes <laughs> and what about your love story your partner David so how long have you been married you had a humanist ceremony yes, didn't did. you to get married 15 years yeah and we've been uh, married almost eight years it was lovely we just we got married in the middle of a field and uh, we didn't video it because it just wanted everybody just to have fun and it was really really lovely yes because I'm Jewish and David is an atheist and so we just thought just having it like that having a humanist ceremony and I'd been to one uh, so I loved it also we had friends sing because we've got I've got friends in the industry so we had in the middle of a field a couple of people singing and we had a couple of friends saying things in the ceremony. We sort of made it up as we went along. How does he feel about your positivity, your kind of proactive upbeatness, your tiggerishness? Yeah, drives him mad too. (laughs) (laughs) Is he the same personality? No. Uh, Oh, he's very positive. He's very Mm. positive. But he he doesn't like musical theatre. That's where, that's where the, yeah, yeah. He likes punk and reggae and I oh, like theatre. So uh, one of the things we had at our wedding, we had a friend of ours who uh, uh, does musical theatre. He did a musical theatre version of a Buzzcock song. Oh. So we had a tw- <laughs> we had meeting and that's how we walked through the field. There we oh. go. Given you have this wealth of knowledge, can you give our listeners some kind of tips on a on a good, happy day 
with sort of skincare and diet and what what would be a good day which would kind of change you and put people in a more positive frame based on what you know okay uh, really the simplest simplest thing and i uh, a friend of mine went through something very 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 awful a few years ago i remember her calling me from her car and she was sobbing and and i said to her look do me a favor something that i find really helps and it's the simplest thing is when the minute you wake up force yourself to smile because Mm -hmm. it tells your brain that you're happy and it's now people talk right about this everywhere and I've been going on about this since I was a child I say if you wake up with a smile you feel better and I said and just please try it and I'm obviously I spoke to her a lot with what she was going through and about a week later one of the things that she said to me she said one of the things that that really makes me laugh is every morning I put this smile on my face and I think oh fuck you Gabby (laughs) (laughs) So I went, good, at least it helps. Um, But that and also trying to smile and be positive, it really does. I mean, I I think, like I said, I think that's what helped my dad get through Mm -hmm. his cancer. Yes, skincare, my goodness me. I I wish I great hair, Gabby. I love the hair. Do you know what my my husband did my roots? Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, my How is um, it so thick and glossy? What's going on there? Uh, it's, I, don't, I don't brush it. <gasps> I never brush my, my teenagers hair. don't brush their hair either. I know, and I spend all my time saying to the kids, have you brushed your hair? <laughs> uh, and have you brushed your teeth? I do brush my teeth. Um, I promise. Uh, but um, yes, yeah, skincare, I wish I'd known when I was younger about the importance of skincare. Mm-hmm. I really, really yeah. do. So I drum it into the girls because I didn't, I just, you know, I'd go to bed with my makeup on like you do as a student. I remember being at university and then just wiping it off with something or other. But now, oh my God, there are some brands that are fantastic, all bought and paid for because I have to say, I'm very publicly always say um, this isn't an ad. So there's skincare that, products that I, oh my God, Demamiel is a new skincare mm-hmm. range and it's all natural. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. So there's a, um, a serum and a face oil. She does the Seasons face oil. It's unbelievable and it smells fantastic. So I use that. Moisturizer, I use Skinesis, the defense by Sarah Chapman. That is amazing. And I use their night cream. And also I love makeup wise. I love makeup. I've, and Sally, lovely Sally, all has made me realize, Sally Hughes has made me realize that I could be loud and proud about loving makeup and loving clothes. It's something I worked in fashion as a student and for years. And even I worked at the Emmanuel Salon because I, I lied my way into becoming a deputy manageress of their salon and beach in place. Yes. Um, <laughs> telling them I was, uh, they said, have you done this before? I said, just I've worked in Selfridges and ladies fashion. And I had for years. I never was a manageress. But, <laughs> but uh, I said to them, but I'm a television presenter. It's when I came out of college. And I said, I'm a TV presenter. And they said, I tell you what, you've got the job for sheer cheek. But if you go for an audition, you have to tell us, don't say you're going to the doctor or the dentist. So I always mm-hmm. did. And then when I got uh, my show, David sent me the biggest bunch of white orchids, a bottle Aww. of champagne and two champagne flutes. And remember, I was broke after Aww. after college. I'd never had anything like that. And, That's a uh, lovely we memory. made friends this day. So there we go. Did you style yourself then for Big Breakfast? Did you do yeah, or did I, someone I, say yeah, you it. need to look like this if you're going to be on telly? Or did you say, no, no, this is how I'm going to look? No, I, I went blonde when I started out in telly. 
I'm actually a natural redhead, not anymore. I hasten to mm. add. But uh, my hair went dark. And I dark did and not dark. know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm freckly. Lovely. Very, very freckly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but no, my hair went really, really, really dark. My el- my eldest daughter, she's Auburn as well. But my hair went really dark and then I started lightening it and lightening it. And then when I started in telly, I started dyeing my hair blonde. I do it, started doing it myself. Clothes-wise, I've loved fashion and I've loved makeup for years, but I used to keep it quiet because you were called a bimbo. You know, if you yeah. like fashion, you're yeah. called a bimbo. If you like makeup, you're called a bimbo. So I just did mm-hmm. it quietly. Now I'm loud and proud. And I go shopping in your wardrobe, which I... Uh, oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> that's very good. Excellent. Oh, Gabby, you've been absolutely brilliant. Is there anything else you want to tell our listeners about having a gloriously upbeat midlife? Also remembering that you can have down days. And I think yeah. it's very fun. I, I'm very lucky that I don't on the whole, but... When people always say to me, is it okay that I feel really crap today? So I all, I mean, I try and uh, answer everybody on Instagram if I can. I, I don't read the DMs, but I'm talking about the open messages. Yeah. And people will very often say I'm having a bad day. And then I'll just give them a message of encouragement. But there's no allowed, you know, am I allowed to feel like this? I think you've got to just remember, especially in these times, that whatever can get you through, but talk talk to someone phone if you're feeling lonely i've got a friend of mine who has learned to say the word i'm lonely so she Aww. she rang me this morning in mm. fact while i was walking and uh, she said i'm feeling really lonely i went okay come on then and so we just talked about mm-hmm. things and she said now i feel better so talking listening smiling and don't beat yourself up please mm. don't beat yourself up thank you. you so much for taking the time it's just wonderful to meet people that you really admire who've done oh amazing things in the They're industry make me so, so thank you very much thank well. you gabby trish we have arrived at the part of the show called how to win at midlife where we help you make some changes to feel happier and healthier about life and make things feel a little less rubbish. This week, I'm going to try and give you something back you may have lost. Not your marbles, Trish. They <laughs> are gone like my pelvic floor forever. No, we're going to give you back something even more precious. I'm going to give you back time. Oh, an my extra goodness. hour. An hour, a whole hour. Yes, so there are actually 168 hours, if you did the maths, get your calculator out in a week. And we think you deserve just one a day alone to yourself. Um, so it's time to reclaim your power hour with a little help from personal trainer and coach Adrienne Herbert, who explains in her new book, Power Hour, how to focus on your goals and create a life you love, why it's important to use the first hour of your day to set you up to be more productive healthier and happier well she is not wrong there are plenty of surveys and there's a lot of science to support this but how do we get it right Mm. i've read her book and i've got some extra tips from women who have sorted their morning power hour in midlife because midlife is a time when you can become overwhelmed with demands from everyone else and you rarely get any time to yourself so this power hour the power hour i'm giving you back has got to come first thing in the morning before your midlife duties start. So mm-hmm. you do have to get up quite early, sort of any time between 5.30 and 6.30 to get your power hour back during the week. But before you do that, before you reclaim your hour, you need to write down the night before what you want to achieve in your hour. So I know it sounds like you could think it, but you do actually need to physically write it down and set it up in your mind because otherwise you might squander it. You might write, have no idea mm-hmm. what you're going to do in your power and get up and end up emptying the dishwasher which would be diabolical Mm. wouldn't it so write it down you can say i'm going to be doing some breathing some exercise i'm going to have the best cup of coffee of my day in this power hour i'm going to do a bit of stretching i'm going to walk the dog you've got to be very specific and also write down how long 
those things are going to take you roughly don't make your power hour about getting work done either mm-hmm. I mean it can be a bit of it but it can't, it can't be an early hour just to get things done so it's more about slowing down rather than speeding up or starting your day fast and once you've done that over the first week that you're testing your new power hour you need to be able to adapt it so that you'll see that some activities you won't want to do for quite so long some things you might not want to do at all and not suited for that time in the morning so adapt it and then plan in what they call self-reflection Trish Mm -hmm. on whether it's working for you or not and then set a kind of longer term goal as you do this self-reflection so you don't have to achieve that goal in the hour but just generally in life and then the simple goals the build to the longer term goal. So I, I want to be less manic. So I try and make sure that that hour is my least mm. manic hour of the day. Um, she says, think big in her book, but start small. And at the end of the hour, you could do something which is part of something you have been mm. putting off. So that kind of eat the frog um, thought where you do the worst thing at the beginning of the day. Maybe yeah. you do a bit of it. Maybe you do one bit of your tax return fill in one thing so you feel like you've started or you do one of the five emails you've got to send that day you do at the end of your power hour she actually trained for a marathon um, Mm. during her power hour but she started it by Mm. writing down that she was going to do it and she began you know gradually training for it stretching Mm -hmm. and things like that before she did sort of running bit now don't look at your phone that is obviously all part of it but Mm -hmm. it's not in her book but what this power hour intention setting thinking big but starting small is doing is what they call habit stacking mm-hmm. all right all yeah. these terms all this terminology <laughs> habit gone. stacking is really interesting it means that you start to gather all your habits together and they form one big consistent habit it happens gradually they you cluster your habits and it they become normal and easier to mm. do over time so you put it all together and so if you're going to do breathing in that power hour or, or learn to breathe properly or learn something you've they, you attach the breathing to the yoga to the dog walk and all of that becomes Mm. one big habit and it starts to happen naturally because I know people are going to say I'm not getting up at 5 30 in the morning but actually if you just start small by doing one or two you can get up half an hour earlier as you Mm -hmm. start on this journey and then you start to do a couple of things it'll all gather together and it'll have this ripple effect where the night before you might think I'm going to get up for my power hour tomorrow so I might go to bed a bit earlier so that means I'll eat a bit earlier so that means I probably won't have a glass of wine tonight you know it's all of these things stack up together and then your life starts to change without you thinking Mm. you'll make rather than you know doing that dramatic I'm I'm going to get up an hour earlier so if you can't get up early there are some things you can do it's not about being Anna Winter and Margaret Thatcher and getting up and winning medals before you've started the day (laughs) getting up early is about your chronotype isn't it whether you're a night owl or Mm. a morning person even if you are and that's genetic if you are a night owl it doesn't stop you getting up early Mm -hmm. it's just a slight mismanagement of your evenings that's stopping you (laughs) getting up early now I know this because my husband is a chronic night owl and he always Mm. says I just can't do anything in the morning which is simply not true Trish it's simply (laughs) not true so one of the ways to do that is to maybe do your power hour get your power hour together with someone else where you plan it the night before and you say we are both getting up an hour early so that you champion each other and you talk about it afterwards there's also a little bit of science coming through at the moment about early morning sunlight being particularly Mm. good for you so if you want to see the sunrise maybe your power hour is just to watch the sunrise once a week and Mm. actually that is actually really good for your metabolism apparently and it's a brilliant source of vitamin 
D as well. And there is some science about not not getting sunlight through windows, getting it actually face to face outside and early in the morning is good. Also planning protein on your midlife breakfast Mm -hmm. after your power hour, because protein is a very good thing to have first in the morning, powers you through the day. So those are my thoughts on it. Mm. So my power hour is a glass of water. Mm-hmm. love it first thing right really big glass like a pint of water get that done I do a little bit of nostril breathing sometimes mm-hmm. who yeah. would have thought I would have done that sometimes I do a bit of yoga sometimes I take the dog out sometimes I go for a sunrise walk but one of the things I always do is a little bit of something that I know is going to be difficult in the day I do at the end of my yeah. power hour and then mm-hmm. I feel like it's out of the way while yeah. I then get on with the kind mm-hmm. of kids and all of that kind of thing mm-hmm. how do you do it well I thought when you mentioned about power hours I thought well I kind of do that because I get up and I do but actually I what I'm intrigued about by this is that the getting up earlier because I get up about quarter to seven and I feel like I do things for myself in that first hour in amongst lo- unloading the dishwasher but I feel like I've got to actually change my mindset and give myself yeah. a goal because I do get up and I this sounds disgusting do my tongue scraping which is Karen Cummings Palmer told us about that <laughs> and I don't know really, what to say it's great what do you just, use for that i've got a special you just buy a, a plasticky thing in, in boots or whatever and it does just like before i drink before i do anything you do that because the idea is you get rid of all the toxins that have come oh, yes, out Karen in your mouth she did tell us that and i've been doing that and that that does help and then drinking your water and then of course it's like a bit of chores like feeding the pets but um but then i do like my but you exercise. can't put the chores in you see that's yeah. the point of reclaiming but this how do you get out? up and go downstairs without the dog making you give her breakfast I just that's my problem she would not give me any peace she's an Labrador she's not going to give she's, me any peace she's starved to death overnight she really hasn't she, is basically. exactly yeah, yeah. no I think you have to then not go in that room maybe to set, yeah. set your power go out the, another door so she yeah, can't you're right, see you actually, or take her out with me yeah, yeah well the book is very specific you take an hour and you make it all about you so, and I think that's what we resist slightly isn't it we think mm. I can get up an hour earlier to do some things which would be helpful for yeah. everything and and then I'll be further down there but actually just taking an hour for you and I've been doing yeah. this it's a bit weird because you think oh I should empty the dishwasher I should mm. get the breakfast on I'll just make the tea for everybody but when you do do it for you you do feel much more relaxed mm-hmm. during the day and it is about habit stacking because then you do everything else in, in a bit of a quicker way a bit more efficient it's hard to explain and I know people say oh my god all these women that get up at half past five in the morning how ridiculous it it does make such a difference mm-hmm. and it's really worth doing it even if you don't do it every day of the week I think right we're going to be talking memories again but this time mm-hmm. ones that we call our nostalgia noodles and because we are rather silly they tend to be a bit silly too don't they Trish what silliness have you got for me today what? Oh, it's quite silly, but it's also quite fabulous. It's prompted by my little Insta Live on the Postcards from Midlife Instagram channel with James Crossley, the personal trainer, who Hunter. was a gladiator. Exactly. And it just sort of got me to- thinking about the other gladiators because I'd kind of forgotten all about them. And there was... Your time you- in the gladiators. My time. <laughs> Can you imagine? My wild nights that? with all the gladiators. Well, there was Jet... And lightning, they were the sort of gorgeous women. Then the there was Greek gods. Then there was obviously Hunter, our friend Hunter, yes. Cobra, and and my favourite Wolf. Do you remember Wolf? He no. was the baddie. Oh, what, <laughs> was he, is it like all in wrestling where they we used to go? Bit, no. he, he was always like throwing his helmet around. But here's the shocker: Wolf oh. is sixty-seven now. Don't be stupid. <laughs> And I 
had an idea. I think he should go you, on the real Marigold. To him. Well, I'm going to write to him. I'm going to write to the producers of the Real Marigold Hotel oh, and I say, get Wolf on. Wouldn't get that be Wolf brilliant? On. Yeah, you know, Nasty Nick, 67. Was, How exactly. did that happen? And he was on it. He was on exactly. the Real Marigold Hotel. Right, that's me. What was yours? <laughs> I like Britt Eklund on the Real Marigold oh, yeah. Hell, who said about Duncan Bannantyne, he's very vain man. I like him. <laughs> I was walking the dog in Regent's mm. Park and there was a massive Alsatian. I love an Alsatian because mm. I grew up with Alsatians because my dad was in the police. So, um, And this man shouted, Wellard, come oh, here. <laughs> and who, I said to my teenage oh. son, oh my God, someone's called their dog Wellard. Wellard. And you remember who Wellard was? Of course. I know EastEnders, uh, yes. but I don't remember. It was Dean Gaffney, the actor, but I yes, can't remember I, what I, he was called. I, I went I down remember. a whole... Uh, soap opera pets. Oh, right. Who did you unearth? Who did well, you unearth? Well, uh, there were Jack Duckworth pigeons in the pigeons. garden. Yeah. Um, but my favourite is Ethel and Willie. Ethel, Ethel's Willie. Yeah. <laughs> he was a pug, wasn't he? That's that. EastEnders as well. I don't go anywhere without my Willie, she would say, <laughs> in 1985 on EastEnders. And he was a pug. And obviously, pug. they weren't fashionable. No. I think he might have been a pug with knitwear as well, I think. Yes. Do you I think remember that, Trish? Mm. We See, were, that's do... the thing about memories. <laughs> Everyone remembers <laughs> exactly. Or as my teenagers say, well, that never happened. Yeah. So what uh, soap do you think Margot would be in? Margot? Yeah. She should be in her own little soap. Well, I th- I yeah, was I think thinking... She should be in Selling Sunset. That, that, I was going to say extent. Dynasty. That's why I think oh, she's yeah. so cross all the time, because she doesn't she live with Alexis Carrington in her house with all no. those jewels and things. She lives with Sue, N- Sue Ellen Ewing, <laughs> yes, drunk, the, drunk the and a tramp soap. and a no good mother. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Postcards from Midlife. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed it, please tell your midlife friends and all the women you know. And remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too also can you remember to listen on a download and not on the wi-fi because that's very helpful for us and for those of us who ask we put all the things that we mention in the podcast on our private facebook group um so yes please do join that if you want to carry on the conversation or you can find us on instagram or you can email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com goodbye goodbye